it's so good to be back here again and meeting God's people here at Bethany Church of Singapore. What makes a church beautiful? Is it because of the decorations inside the church with all the flowers? Yes, we, know we need those flowers. You know, we need good decorations. But what makes a church beautiful is because the people of God loves God and therefore they devote themselves in worshipping Him. Amen. Amen. Now, what a great privilege of sharing God's Word with you this afternoon. And uh, today, uh, this afternoon I want to speak about Kingdom Prayer. And I would like us to turn to the Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, reading from verse 9 to 13. Matthew chapter 6, reading from verse 9 to th verse 13. Verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to worship you in this place. It is all because of your grace that we can worship you. Lord, we thank you for the freedom to worship you in this land. Help us, Lord, not to take for granted the freedom that we have to worship you. As we listen to the preaching of your word this afternoon, we pray, Father, that you may help us to listen with understanding. Help us to receive your word joyfully into our hearts, allowing your word and your Holy Spirit to change our hearts and to make us to the very persons you want us to be for your own glory. I pray, Father, that it will speak to each and every one of us through the preaching of your word this afternoon. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. I would like to begin to say that a prayerless life is a lifeless life. Think of this. A prayerless life. In other words, life without prayer is a lifeless life. It's a life without life itself. Or perhaps... A prayerless ministry is our powerless ministry. Ministry that we carried out without prayer is a ministry without power. In my own experience, this I can testify the truth about this. That I cannot continue to live for God without prayer. I cannot continue to serve the Lord without prayer. Because prayer is like breath. The very moment you and I, we stop breathing for an hour. You know what happened to us. That means, sorry to say, but we, we are dead. Could you imagine? One day, we do not pray. Two days, we do not pray. One week, we do not pray. One month, we do not pray. One year, we do not pray. 
Though physically we are still alive, we can walk from one place to another place. We can go to our workplace. But actually, spiritually speaking, spiritually we are dead. And that is why many Christians fall into temptation because no prayer. Spiritually, they are dead. How do we pray? What is the purpose? What is the focus of our prayer? Today's reading from Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 to 13 help us to answer this question. How do we pray? What is the purpose? What is the goal of our prayer? But before we look at this passage, Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 to 13, I want us to look at this passage in its proper context. In few verses before verses 9, the I want us to look at verse 5. In verse 5, it says, When and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. I like the Bahasa Indonesia translation, munafik. You know? Hypocrites is munafik. And when you pray, says Jesus, do not be like the hypocrites. Why? For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the streets corners to be seen by others. So the hypocrites, they love to do this. To pray standing in public so that many people could see them. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. They may receive the praises of men. Verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. In other words, when you pray, no need to do it as a show. Prayer is not a show. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It is the father who will reward, not the public. And then verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep on bumbling like pagans. Repetition. Very. Repeating the same things. For the thing they will be heard because of their many words. Then from here, in verse 8, Jesus says, do not be like them. Do not be like the hypocrites. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is the father that we have. Our heavenly father. Even before we open up our mouth to utter to God what we need from him. He knows already. But it doesn't mean that since God knows what is in my heart, no need to pray. We still need to pray. Because remember the story about Jesus healing Bartimaeus the blind, the beggars. Jesus called Bartimaeus. And Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? In fact, Jesus knew Bartimaeus was a blind. Jesus knew Bartimaeus was a beggar. He needed something to eat. He needed 
bread. Or he needed chao kui tiao. In our modern days today, he needed money. But Jesus asked him this question to Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? I believe today as we gathered here, let us discern that still voice of Jesus saying to you and saying to me, what do you want me to do for you? Since we are talking about prayer. Now, then from verse 9, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And this prayer is what I call kingdom prayer. Now, there are a few things that I want to share with you from the passage itself. Something that we can see, we can learn from the passage. A few things. The first one, prayer is relationship. Are you agree? Do you agree? Prayer is relationship. It is not a show. Just like the hypocrites, they would like to stand up in public so that people would see them and say, wow, this man is very godly. Prayer is not something for us to show off. Prayer is relationship. How do we know that? Because Jesus says, this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven. So, Father speaks about relationship with the children. The son or the daughter. We have our earthly father. But also we thank God that we have our heavenly father. When we pray, our heavenly our Father in heaven. The language used here is a language of relationship. In other words, it is very impossible for you and for me. It would be very difficult for you and for me to devote ourselves into prayer if our relationship with our Heavenly Father is not good. There must be intimacy. Very intimate relationship between the father and the sons or the daughter. Remember in John chapter 1 verse 12, for those who believe and receive Jesus, they are given the authority, the power to become children of God. What a privilege, what an honor for you and for me. We are given the authority to become children of God. Wow. If there is any reason for us to be boastful, not in ourselves, but in what God has done for you and for me. Because of your faith. Because you take the step of faith to put your faith in the Lord. Believe in Jesus. Receive Him as your Lord and Savior. You are given the authority to become the children of God. So we call Him Father. Our Father in heaven. So our prayer is directed to the Father that we know in Jesus Christ. Our Father in heaven. You see, I remember when I was courting my wife. Huh? At that time, we were separated. She was in Sabah. I was in Kuala Lumpur. We were separated by the vastness of the South China Sea. And in those days, there was no handphone. 
No happy. Huh? No email either. But thank God there was public phone. So many public phones that you need coins. So I needed coins. So I tried to collect as much as possible the coins just to call my girlfriend at that time. I just love to speak to her. I think for those of you who are already married, huh, you can testify to that. Before you married your ex-girlfriend, you know, now your wife, huh, you love to speak to her. Or she loves to speak to you. So, same thing. I love to speak to my ex-girlfriend, who is my wife today. So, sometimes when you hear the sounds, tick, 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 that means you know that your money is uh, finishing, you know. Then very fast, as fast as possible, you always, I always repeat these words. I love you, I love you, I love you, I miss you, I miss you. Then finish. Then I try to go collect coins again to call her as often as possible. Why? Because I want to maintain that good relationship with my ex-girlfriend. What about our relationship with our Heavenly Father? How many times you communicate with your Heavenly Father in a day? Not five, five times a day. You know? Not five times a day. Always. Meaning to say, not one time, not two times, not three times, not four times, not five times. Always. No limit. If you really love your heavenly father, you really love and enjoy this relationship, father and son. I believe we love to pray. Amen. Now, what do we pray? We pray that his kingdom will come. In verse 9, it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In verse 10, your kingdom come. Actually, verse 10, your kingdom come. What does it mean? When we pray, we pray, your kingdom come. Now for us, Anglican Church, we recite this so-called the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. It is part of our liturgy. Every Sunday, after Holy Communion or even some Anglican just before the Holy Communion, we recite this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Hey, don't you realize that we need to pray that the kingdom of God will come? But many a times when we pray, we don't pray your kingdom come. Lord, I need this, I need that. Then we have a long list, shopping list, Lord, I have this. Nothing wrong with that. But when we talk about kingdom prayer, our prayer must be focused on the kingdom of God. Amen? Unlike the hypocrites, they want the focus, attention to themselves. But Jesus says, when you pray, the focus is not on yourself. The focus must be the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come. Now, the question is, what is this kingdom? The kingdom of God is where He enthrones 
and reign, reigns and rules. That is about the kingdom of God. There is no kingdom without a king. Every kingdom must have a king. Jesus is the king of kings. He is the king. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God gives us two understanding. First, the kingdom of God is where God enthrones, He reigns, He rules in our hearts, in our family, in our church, in our community, in our country, in our city. Where Jesus enthrones, where Jesus reigns, where Jesus rules, there is the kingdom of God. Amen? But of course, that is not all about it. We are also thinking about the coming of the eternal kingdom of God. A time will come when the last trumpet is heard, Jesus himself, the son of man, would come down in the air. And those who have died in the Lord will be the first one to be raised from the dead. We can read this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And if it's God's will for him for me to be alive when he comes for the second time, in a twinkling of an eye, begitu cepat sekali, in a twinkling of an eye, very fast, the Lord will change our mortal body into an immortal one, a glorified body. And together with those who have raised from the dead, we will meet with the Lord in the air and we will be together with the Lord forever in heaven. The eternal kingdom of God where there is no suffering. So my dear brothers and sisters, while we are eagerly waiting for the coming of that eternal king from that kingdom, we also pray that that kingdom will come into the hearts of every individual. That kingdom will come into the families, into the church, into the community. How, do we, how can we hasten the coming of God's kingdom? When we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, Lord. How can we hasten the coming of God's kingdom? And this will lead us to the unfinished task of the church. What is the unfinished task of the church as long as the church exists in this world? We have this one task. Of course, there are so many others. But this task of world mission and evangelism. So when we read actually the great commission of Jesus to his disciples before he was ascended to heaven in Matthew 9, uh, 28, 19 to 20. In fact, when we read that verses, especially verse 19, it is a command, but not just a command, but it is an imperative command. A command that doesn't give you the option. It is not the, a choice whether, hey, can we go for mission or evangelism? No. Jesus said, go and make disciples. It is an imperative command. Not, not an option. We must obey that. But very sad to say today, 
especially in many churches in the Western world. And this year, no, for the past two years, I've been going to London for meeting because we are preparing for next year, Lambeth Conference 2020, the gathering of all the Anglican bishops around the globe. I can tell you, when we talk about the agenda of that conference, I represent the Anglicans from the South of Asia. All the others talk about human rights, talk about human sexuality, talks about poverty, talks about global warming. I mean, this is all important. But then I said, when come to me, I said, Jesus' agenda must be our agenda. And what is the agenda of Jesus from his time until today is about mission, about evangelism, discipleship. Not many churches nowadays very enthusiastic talking about mission and evangelism. Why? Of course, the devil doesn't want us to do this. Because mission evangelism has to do about the saving soul. Bringing many souls into the kingdom of God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to thank God and want to congratulate Bethany Church here in Singapore. Because you are not only thinking about mission, okay? You are not only a mission-minded church. Because there are so many churches claiming we are mission-minded churches. But when you look at their yearly budget, how much money is spent on mission? Hey, very little, eh? But your church, not only here in Singapore, not only in Jakarta, you have in Australia, you have in Hong Kong, you have in Malacca, Malaysia, Meaning to say, you are not only mission-minded church, but you are practicing mission and evangelism. And this is the very thing that you and I are called to do. And this is the only way that perhaps we can hasten the coming of the kingdom of God. Now we read from Matthew 24 verse 14. I want to read this verse. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony well I think this is a maybe I read from my something wrong with my powerpoint huh? let me read Matthew 4 uh, 24 Matthew 24 verse 14 verse 14 it says and this Verse 40. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, with the S, all nations, and, the, and then the end will come. Now, the context is this. In Matthew 24, in the beginning of few verses of Matthew 24, his disciples asked Jesus, what would be the signs of the end of the world? What would be the signs of your coming again? And Jesus said, there would be false prophets. Then there would be 
famines. There would be earthquake. There would be war. But this is not the end, Jesus says. This is only what? The beginning. So all this mentioned by Jesus, in fact, today we are seeing false prophets, famine, earthquake, war happening. But it is not the end of it. Because Jesus says, in spite of all this happening, taking place, Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached and must be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. No one is exempted. Every nation or every race, every tribe must listen. They must be given the opportunity to listen to the preaching of the gospel. Because God's heart is this. None will perish. Isn't it true? Amen. Think of your family members. Are there any more your family members who have not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior? If you love them, you are not only praying for them that they would come to know Jesus, but you would also speak to them about the good news that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus not only forgives sin, but Jesus can give us eternal life. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And thus, the way we can hasten the coming of the kingdom of God. We also need to pray that His will be done. His will be done. In verse 10, we look at verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I read this verse a few times. What does it mean? We want the kingdom of God to come. We want the kingdom of God to rule in the hearts of men and women. But also we want the will of God, not our will, His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is this in heaven that we want to happen on earth? What is that? What is a heaven like? What is the kingdom of God like? So we read in Romans, we read here in Romans, chapter 14, verse 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Nothing wrong eating, nothing wrong with drinking, and for that matter, allow me to drink this water. But do not let yourself become slave to food and to drink. So much so, we do not have time for God to worship Him. We indulge ourselves to eating, to drinking. As if 
Nothing more important in life rather than food and drinks. We need food. We need water. But the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. It is about God righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So there are three important things. Righteousness. What else? Peace. What else? Joy. So the kingdom of God is about righteousness. The kingdom of God is about peace. The kingdom of God is about joy. When you read the book of Revelation, especially chapters 7 onward, you know, the vision of the multitude of people from every nation, from every tribe. Wow. What a wonderful picture God gave to John when he was exiled in the island of Patmos. So the kingdom of God is about righteousness, about peace, about joy. So we want that same thing. We want the righteousness of God to be done in our life, in our family, in our community, in our city, in our country. The righteousness of God. But today, we, have, we are facing the counterfeit from the devil. There are so many things claiming about truth. We are the truth. We are the truth. But we know only one truth. I am the way and the truth, says Jesus. There are so many teachings going around in the world today. Even penetrating into the church. And they said, this is the truth. But mind you, my dear brothers and sisters, there is no truth apart from Jesus. Amen? So we want the righteousness of God to rule into the hearts of everyone. We want the righteousness of God to rule in the life of our family, our churches, our community, our cities, our nation, or even in the world. We want peace of God. We want the peace of the kingdom of God to be done on earth. You name it, either in your own life, in your family. Yesterday during our prayer at the level 7 uh, tower, I heard that many young people in Singapore committing themselves, committing suicide. Why? Why so many young people, not only in Singapore, even in Sabah? Just a few weeks ago, ago, a lady jumped from a building in our city of Kota Kinabalu, commit suicide. Why? Because perhaps, because they were going through depression. And therefore they think that there is no more hope for them to live on this earth. No peace in their heart. And therefore... They commit suicide. Of course, we believe there is always the spirit of death behind this. We need to pray against the spirit of death. We need to pray that the peace of God, the peace of the kingdom of God will rule in the hearts of many. We also pray that the joy 
of the kingdom of God, the joy of the Lord also rules in our hearts. There are so many people now living in a miserable life. In spite of their wealth, there's so much wealth, and yet they cannot enjoy the blessing of sleep. They cannot sleep. Why? When they lie down, they put their hands on their forehead and think, what would happen if tomorrow I do not wake up? What about my wealth? What about my beautiful wife? What about my big house? There are so many people today do not enjoy the gift of sleep. They cannot sleep well. No joy. Not because they are in need. They have everything. But there is no joy in their hearts. We want that joy of the kingdom of heaven to be done on earth. Amen? Let your will be done on earth as it's in heaven. Heaven is about righteousness. What else? About peace. About joy. Next. Matthew 6 verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Of course, the context here is Jesus talking about anxiety. Do not be anxious of anything, of what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Food, drink, and clothes. These are what we call our basic needs, basic necessities. No. We need food, we need drinks, we need clothing. But this should not be our top priority. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if we put wrong priority in our life, if we put food, drinks, and clothing as our top priority in life, this kind of priority, as we read from Matthew 6, verses 25 onward, will lead us to life full of anxiety. Why? If you do not have something to eat, if you have nothing to drink, no clothes, you will become worried. Wow, Christmas, what, what clothes I want to put on Christmas? But then God says, we need to put the right priority. And the right priority is, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And God's promise is that, when we put the right priority, seeking God's kingdom and His righteousness, we dedicate our life to live righteously before God, because that is the requirements of the kingdom of God. We need to be righteous in order to enter the kingdom of God. Not with our own righteousness, but the righteousness of God in us. God's promise that when we seek for His kingdom and His righteousness, all these things, food, drink, and clothing will be given to you as well. Next, we need to pray for our daily provision. It says in verse 11. In verse 11, it says, let me look at the verse again. Huh? Chapter 6, verse 11. 
it says, give us today our daily bread. What do we need? Not only bread, not only rice, not only noodles. We need money. There are so many needs. When we have needs, what do we need to do? We learn from those early missionaries. God's work must be done in God's way. That in His perfect time, He will supply. So I always tell our, our pastors and our clergy, I said, when you have needs, you must pray first. Don't ask from the ministers, whatever. I never wrote any letter to ministers to ask for money. If I pray, the Lord touch the hearts of a minister or even the chief minister and give money, praise the Lord. But I'm not a type of person going around and I have this a church project, I need, no, 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 no. That is not my way. Because I believe the righteous shall live by faith. But it's very important. When we have needs, finance to complete the building, now we are building two mega church building projects in the rural area. One, just the building itself, it costs us, you know, you know in, in the rural, it costs us about maybe six or seven million, just the shelf, just the building itself, without the finishing. Another one, about two million. Do we have enough now? But I said, if this is what God wants us to do, we just pray. In His perfect time, God will supply. Give us today our daily bread. But again, we are not only limiting ourselves talking about physical need. We need also be thinking about our spiritual need. Matthew 4 verse 4, it says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on what? Bread alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need to pray that spiritually we will be sufficiently nourished. We receive the word of God. Especially young people nowadays. We need our young people, their hearts be filled with God's word. And we also need to be filled with God's word in our hearts. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the next thing, we need to pray for forgiveness. In verse 12, it says in verse 12, And forgive us our debts or our sins, as we also have forgiven our debtors. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we will not be able to enter the kingdom of God if we are not forgiven by God. Every day we sin against Him in our thoughts, with our words, with our deeds. And therefore, every day, every moment we need to pray, God, forgive me from every sin I have committed in thought, words, or deeds. Knowingly or unknowingly. But then, not only asking God to forgive us, but also, when God forgives us, we also need to learn to release forgiveness to those who have wrong against us. And finally, we need to pray for deliverance. In verse 13, it says, And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. Of course, if you look at this verse and really take time to study this verse, many commentators you know, sometimes confuse us. Because how could it be that God lead us into temptation? Lead us not into temptation. As if God is the one leading us into temptation. Especially when Jesus, after his baptism, soon after he was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 4, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. How could it be the Holy Spirit leading us to be tempted? We leave it to the Bible scholars. But what I'm trying to say, very easy for us to understand. Every day, we are faced with temptation. Isn't it true? Temptation itself, according to the Word of God, is not sin. But only when we give in into the temptation, then we sin against God. So we need to pray every day. Every day we need to pray that we will not fall into temptation. Remember Jesus when he was tempted by the devil after he overcame all the temptation according to the Luke account chapter 4 the devil left Jesus and waiting for an opportune time. For what? So that he could tempt Jesus again. And to me as I read the scripture to me, the best time for the devil to tempt Jesus again when Jesus was about to be arrested and to be tortured and be crucified. Jesus, when he was praying at the Garden of Gethsemane, according to the account of Luke, Jesus, he prayed and his sweat drops like blood. So much so that in angel from heaven came down to strengthen him. Because I believe, even though it is not recorded there, but I believe at that time Jesus was wrestling. Perhaps could it be a still voice from the devil and saying to Jesus, Jesus, no need for you to go through this suffering. No need for you to die on the cross. And that is why Jesus said in his prayer, Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering to pass but not my will be done, but your will be done. My dear brothers and sisters, every day we face temptation. Let us pray that the Lord will deliver us from every temptation. So in conclusion, when we talk about kingdom prayer, kingdom prayer is a prayer that is directed to our Heavenly Father who is the king of the kingdom. Our father, we know him through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we need to pray every day that his kingdom will come. And how, how can we hasten the kingdom of God through mission and evangelism? We pray that his will be done on earth as is in heaven. We pray that His righteousness, His peace and joy will be evident in our life. We pray that the Lord will supply all our daily needs, whatever, you name it. 
but also we need to pray that we will receive forgiveness from our God as we release forgiveness to other people and we pray that the Lord will deliver us from all temptation. Can we recite the Lord's Prayer together in our whatever language that we are familiar with? Okay, let us all stand. We want to end with this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our delivery. And forgive us our sins. As we give those who sin against us. Let us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Amen. May God bless all of you.